Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. My podcasts often deal with distressing situations which are not suitable for children and some adults for that matter. Some of what I discuss may trigger uncomfortable emotions. If that does occur, please reach out to Lifeline, Beyond Blue or any other support service or person you feel comfortable with. Please keep in mind that there's always two sides, sometimes more, to every story. My guests provide their recollection of an event or incident, sharing their thoughts and their emotions, but it's theirs. Not everybody will agree with them. I never want to tell any guest what to say or what not to say. So there will always be others that see it differently, and I understand that. Hello, I'm Narelle Fraser. I was a cop with Victoria Police for 27 years, 15 of those as a detective, having dealt with all types of crime, from a stolen bicycle to a stolen life. I witnessed the effect crime has on those involved and became one of those victims myself in 2012 when I was diagnosed with PTSD. However, out of adversity comes other opportunities like this, my own podcast. I'm still pinching myself. Thanks for listening and coming with me as we explore the human side and impact of crime. Sometimes family lawyers should have a psychology element to their degree because we're constantly dealing with those issues. And one of the first pieces of advice I give my clients when they come in and see me is go and seek mental health assistance because this will be the most difficult time you've ever experienced. Vicarious trauma is an occupational challenge, even a hazard for those in the field of victim services, law enforcement, emergency medical services and other allied professionals who become overwhelmed with continually being exposed to and hearing accounts of trauma, violence and grief. It can also cause compassion overload. You know, I've often wondered how those within the judiciary manage, and we've spoken to some before, haven't we, on my podcast, but listening noting everything, evaluating, questioning every small, minute, disturbing detail. And then they just walk out of court and back into the real world. You know, what to have for dinner, taking the kids to their sport, you know, thinking, oh, is it rubbish night tonight? Fixing the leaking tap in the bathroom, has that been fixed? Kelly Martin was on that merry-go-round being a senior partner in a major law firm, specialising in criminal defence and domestic violence for many years. She began to find solace in alcohol and antidepressants and she knew she wasn't coping. She also had a boss 
who had no understanding of mental health and just kept piling her desk with file after file after file. And at one stage, she remembers having up to around 150 files to manage. And every file represented somebody in need of legal assistance. She had trial after trial involving distressing details. And not once was she offered any type of counselling or support. So what did she do? Well, of course, she started up her own legal firm, uh, KLM Solicitors, specialising in, you guessed it, domestic and family violence. In February 2020, when Callie heard that Hannah Clark and her three children had been killed in a murder-suicide in Camp Hill in Queensland, she collapsed on the office floor. She'd been Hannah's legal representative. She's since become a fierce supporter of a charity Hannah's parents and brother have formed called Small Steps for Hannah, highlighting the severity of domestic and family violence in Australia. Kelly also supports a number of other charities, including Women's Legal Service Queensland, Red Rose Foundation and Beyond Domestic Violence. So, Kelly. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time out of your busy day um, for us. But uh, I know that domestic and uh, family violence is a subject very close to our respective hearts. So uh, what was it, I suppose, Kelly, that drew you to uh, representing those involved in domestic violence? Well, thanks for having me, Mina Rao, to start off with. It's really an honour to, to have a chat with you this morning. Um, the... I suppose I fell into this area of law. Um, it wasn't one that I'd ever dreamed of getting involved in when I was at university. I was like every other young um, aspiring lawyer wanting to get in there, work in a top-tier law firm and earn some money and had dreams of of working um, in commercial litigation and everyone had seen the TV shows about lawyers. I think that I had this dream in my head about what I was going to do. Um, and then really it sort of fell into my lap. So in my second year of university, I was luckily, lucky enough to get a, um, a clerk role, a law clerk role in a uh, family and criminal defense firm in Brisbane. And um, I've never really looked back from there, to be honest. I I started working um, in the in the field of family law and realised I could really make a difference to people's lives. I could help them um, move on to the next stage of their of their life and and help them out of a bad situation that obviously had turned bad through the course of of something that had started off great um, for them. So um, that that's really why I've I I've become involved with domestic violence as, as a result of my involvement in family law and criminal defence for so many years. They, they kind of come hand in hand, unfortunately. Mm. And I know what you mean because that's why I joined policing. Just the the what you can do to help people, it's just something in us, isn't it, that um, it's just something we love doing. We get a lot of pleasure out of it and a lot of satisfaction. And I think it's great that we have people that are passionate about uh, domestic violence or violence in general uh, that are prepared to uh, put themselves, you know, sometimes in some pretty difficult positions, but you know that you are making a difference to people and it's um, it's a huge thing to be able to, uh, yeah, to be able to do. Absolutely. So really from all those people that you're helping, you know, that don't have a voice, 
I must, I've got to say thank you. And I might just interrupt you here, Kelly, because I'm in an office today and they've got some sort of a party behind me. <laughs> so if you can hear all these noises and all these kids and dogs, they've actually got dogs in the office. But wow. I, I won't go, yeah, yeah. Anyway, apparently that's what people do these days. So please bear with me. Um, but, yes, getting back to that, yes, yeah, so I think us being passionate about what we do, we need people like us, don't we? I think the community need people like us, like us that are just – we just want to help people. Yeah, and, look, I'm extremely fortunate to have found something that I can also um, make a living out of that I really love doing. And I think if you find what you – love to do it's very very easy to become successful at it because um you can wake up every morning and really enjoy what the day has to hold i mean we'll talk about how difficult this job is and um as we go on but it really is a um an absolute um an absolute joy for me to to continue to do this job every day um i really have been fortunate to meet some incredible people as well so yeah, and that's what I miss about not policing anymore is to get up every day and think, you know, to look forward to work but you're helping people. And, yes, in another way people might say, oh, we are helping in a different way but it's nothing like being on that front line and holding somebody's hand uh, through some traumatic experience. There's just something about that that is just so terribly satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you, I said in my intro there that you uh, support a number of charities, but what's the Red Rose Foundation? I understand what the Women's Legal Service Queensland would be. That would be generally for women who have been, would I be right in saying in domestic violence situations or just women in general that need legal service assistance? So Women's Legal Services is one of the biggest not, not-for-profits now in Queensland and um, essentially it's a group of of volunteer lawyers that it's a bit it started that way it's a little bit more than that now but it's a group of volunteer lawyers including myself and a number of members of my staff female staff there were everyone no one is allowed in that building unless they are female it's designed to help women um so it started as a group of volunteer lawyers that were there um to assist people that couldn't afford to see a lawyer in the first instance um, in relation to family and domestic violence matters only. So it's um, they have a helpline now, a national helpline, or I think it's state, it's, it might be statewide helpline, um, that takes a phenomenal amount of calls um, per day um, from women just trying to get take that first step and they're really there to help them take the first step to get out of those really difficult situations. And those, I do a lot of fundraising for them because even if, if we can try and make sure that every call's going unanswered, you know, you, can, you make sure that you're looking after the safety and well-being of women and children um, across the state. Red Rose Foundation, to answer that question, um, was a charity established by um, a lady called Betty Taylor who is probably the matriarch of domestic violence prevention up here in Queensland and she's actually was named a Queensland great by the Queensland government last year. Um, I've been so fortunate to have Betty as part of my life um, for the last four or five years but I started by fundraising for the Red Rose Foundation and essentially they they, um, 
are a charity that really works on policy with the government. They look at, look at changing laws. They give advice about the laws surrounding domestic and family violence. They work with the Death Review Board in Queensland. They hold the Red Rose rallies nationally now. So uh, when a woman, woman dies, a woman or child dies at the hands of domestic violence, um, we hold a rally um, in support of um in support of their families and in memory of them and to bring awareness to the community. Uh, we also um, now, in the last couple of years, have had a particular focus on non-lethal strangulation. And it's particularly interesting, that um, focus, because what many people don't know is that if you are strangled by a partner, um, you are 800 times more likely to be killed by them. So um, there is a lot of work being done in Queensland about non-lethal strangulation. Um, Betty took the um, the fight to the government a few years back and we were the first state in Australia to criminalise non-lethal strangulation as a charge um, for it now. Um, and we've just set up last year, or in, in the last year, um, Australia's first um, strangulation survivor uh, trauma centre. So essentially that is um, designed for women that have particularly suffered with being strangled by their partner um, and there's specific responses that need to happen in those cases, specific scans that need to happen, different type of counselling, a different type of... Um, of re uh, basically a different type of reaction and, and counselling that needs to happen afterwards. So Betty is um, running so countless, I think she's run countless um, conferences and um, information sessions to many hospitals, to the Queensland Police Service, I think even to the New Zealand Police Service, to the Victorian Police Service um, about non-lethal strangulation and the risks associated with that so that we can start having a better response and we can start changing the ending for many of these women so that they're not getting to the point where they're becoming another statistic. So, yeah, it's an incredible foundation. It's really taking flight in the last couple of years. I was so fortunate to be the chair of the board of that um, foundation for a while. I've recently resigned as a director of the board due to all of my other commitments up here, uh, but I'm still very much associated with them and, and do a lot of fundraising for them and assist them with their fundraising efforts and still very um, very honoured to be close to Betty Taylor and, and to assist her with, with continuing the good work she does with that charity. You know, this is what I mean about passion and how uh, we love something that, and we don't consider it, say, work. But there you are, so busy with your uh, KLM solicitor's business, but you still are volunteer on a women's legal service where you say there's so much, uh, so many phone calls coming in, really, it's hard to keep control of them, but you help on that. You also help with the Red Rose Foundation. Like, like you must spend most of your life surrounded by <laughs> yeah like, I do and, and uh, yeah. there's another a fantastic charity up here um that was established in the last couple of years called Beyond DV and that was set up by a wonderful woman called Carolyn Robinson and she is now working with Sue Clark Hannah's mum to bring the message to children in schools as well and um, my firm does a lot of volunteer 
uh, legal advice sessions for for women um, that come into that uh, that drop in centre as well. So I've kind of tried to spread the love amongst the charities that are really at the forefront of domestic family violence up here. And um, I'm regularly trying to get out there and support them, not only by um, assisting them with that legal advice perspective, but also from a fundraising perspective as well. I'm really, I think I've done two of this big event, two now of this big event up here called Dancing CEOs, where I got on stage in front of a thousand people and danced um, to raise money for women's legal service. I think I've raised um, about seventy-five to a hundred thousand dollars for the service over the last couple of years doing that um, doing that event, and that's a great what, event. What do you dance to? Oh, we get professionally trained, believe it or not. Um, for anyone, oh, really? that, for anyone that's right. listening, by all means. Um, Feel free to Google it. There's plenty of it on YouTube. It's um, it's an interesting watch. You can see me make a fool out of myself. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking it was, you know, a bit of fun, whereas, you know, you might dance to, I don't know, Saturday Night Fever or something yeah, like that, but there's clearly. Some that. There's some of that. But, yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's, a real, it's a professional production. It's at City Hall here in Brisbane. And, oh, right. You know, it's, um, yeah, in front of a 1,000 people and it's live streamed and it's it's a big event. But they raise, I think they raise upwards of 400 $450,000 at that event for the service every year. So, And, you know, Kelly, I'm going to embarrass you here, but you are the type of person that needs to get these, you know, Australian of the Year or Queenslander of the Year, <laughs> the, those gongs, rather than so, and not taking nothing away from a famous sports person or anybody else, but the people that do this type of work with no accolades, they've got – it's purely from your heart that you are doing these things. I just think wouldn't it be nice if we had some of those, you know, some volunteers like yourself that are recognised rather than... We were really lucky up here in Queensland this year and I'm sure you saw the news that um, Sue and Lloyd Clark were named as our Queensland Australians of the Year this year. Mm, So um, I was so happy that um, Mm. that it was... You know their their work, their tireless work that's happened on, off the back of such an incredibly distressing situation for them has been recognised because they really are doing incredible things. Yeah, um, and, and we will get to um, Hannah and uh, her children and Sue and what's her Lloyd? Did you Lloyd, say? Yes. Yeah, and we will get to that uh, shortly. Uh, but another thing that you just said then. Isn't it sad to think that we have to have, or Queensland have got, a strangulation trauma centre? I've never heard of that. Well, that's the um, that that's, is. that's oh, the first in Australia. Me. It's the first in Australia, and, and it's really been modelled off um, a very successful American um, uh, similar sort of thing that's been done in America on a large scale. But we've had some really good partnerships with people um, with. Um, doctors over there, um, one of them that gave um, evidence at the mo- at that recent trial of the police officer that strangled um, that, or that put his foot on the back of that. Um, oh yes, yes, that gentleman and um, and yeah, he he actually gave evidence at that trial. So we've got some really really good connections over there, and we're learning so much from them. And Betty is just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to non-lethal strangulation and the um, not only psychological impacts but the 
the long-term medical impacts it has. You know, it can cause stroke years later. It can, um, it can cause um, blood clots. There's so many different breathing problems. There's so many different things it can cause like quite a long time later. So, yeah, having that there for women that specifically need that assistance has just been a phenomenal achievement and has been recently recognised by the Queensland Government. They've recently been successful for the first time ever in getting some funding from the government, which has been brilliant as well. That That is just, I've never, ever heard of that. And so, Kelly, I don't know, you may not be able to answer this, but what is what difference does a strangulation trauma centre, what uh, services or counselling does that provide which is different to a normal trauma centre? Yeah, well, you've got, you've got counsellors that are trained in, um, trained in that area of um, practice. So um, rather than just a normal everyday counsellor. So it's things like you wouldn't even think of. Um, victims of strangulation, like they can't even wear high top um, T-shirts or necklaces or scarves. Those kind of things can be really traumatic for them. They can oh, okay. um, because it's something around their neck. Um, the um, long-term impacts of the actual fear associated with feeling like you're about to die um, and also getting out of the situation because of that really significant, um, significantly higher chance that you're going to be murdered. And just knowing that statistic now, and that statistic is very well recognised mm. Um, yeah, you said before, 800%. Yeah, 800 of, times more likely. If you are strangled by your by a partner, you are 800 times more likely to be killed by them. And, you know, really thinking about that, that is, it's a terrible statistic, but it doesn't surprise me that uh, the figure is that high because there's signs when you are, well, the experience that I've um, been when you are being strangled, not me, sorry, um, the victims. victims. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Witnesses that I've um, spoken to is... It's just the the tip of the iceberg. Oh, absolutely. And look, it, it often comes hand in hand with other things. And, you know, you're looking at, because the other thing about strangulation, and I'm, I won't go on about it too much longer, is of course that there's this whole other side to it that, you know, there's strangulation during sex and is it a is it something that you can consent to? Is it something that should... But it, it shouldn't be. Um, we're, we're saying the Red Rose Foundation are advocating that it shouldn't be something you can consent to because you can't possibly consent to something that you don't know can kill you later on. Because whilst you might survive the actual incident, as I said, it can cause it can cause so many issues later. I had a lady um, that we were speaking to that um, was suffering from blood clots and a stroke a year after the incident. So it's long-term impacts and keeping an eye on that. And and actually, I don't think that you can consent to something that can potentially um, kill you at a later date. Like, and you just don't, if you don't understand the full consequences of what's happening, then you couldn't possibly consent. But yeah, that's, I mean, it's a story for another day. I could, I could fill a whole podcast with this, but yeah, it's, um, it's well, a very interesting area. Yeah, it is, and I might take you up on that one day, Kelly, because I've been speaking to uh, a criminologist by the name of Patrick Tidmarsh, and I've also been speaking to um, a lady called Susan McLean who's the cyber safety cop, and what they talk about is the prevalence of uh, choking and strangulation in sex acts now uh, due to the pornography. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I work um, on our board, on the Red Rose Foundation board. Um, we are very lucky to have a lady called Di McLeod as our secretary and Di runs the Gold Coast Sexual Violence um, Centre down on the Gold Coast. It's a very well-established um, charity down on the Gold Coast that assists women that have been um, victims of domestic, uh, of domestic violence and specifically sexual assault. Um she talks regularly about that and she would be a brilliant person for you to speak to and also Betty Taylor who would love to speak to you could probably she would be the queen of of who you'd need to speak to about it because she knows everything about it so those two people are definitely can definitely point you in the right direction if you ever want to go down that road because they really are um the the, the leaders of the industry in this in this area that's really developing every day and I would be very interested because 
it, it is a subject that is very difficult and uncomfortable for some people to listen to, but it's a little bit like suicide. Years and years ago, it was something that was never, ever discussed because it was well, I don't know whether – I don't know why. we People thought that maybe it would encourage others to – it's one of the reasons, I think. But I think these type of topics, they are not discussed enough. And if we don't discuss them and open people's um, minds to why these certain things are happening and the fact that they are happening, if we don't talk about it, people are not going to know. So as an uncomfortable as it is, I think a, a podcast on strangulation, like here we are, I don't know, we've probably spent 10, 15 minutes on it. I can see exactly what you mean. I could talk about that until the cows come home only because I think it's educational I think it's interesting, but I think we need to know so that somebody that is in a consensual sexual relationship where, I mean, I don't know how, but where you you consent, let's say, to choking. But if you, as you say, if you knew the, the background and what could happen as yeah. a result of this, yeah. well, then you you would think at least think twice about it. Yeah. So it needs. To, I, I agree. I think it needs to be talked about. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, so as you say, we might we'll uh, chase that up for another day. But I suppose uh, children born of a failed relationship, and you must come across this a lot in your work, due to uh, domestic and, and family violence. I can't get over, and you would see it all the time, they often become pawns going between one parent and the other. And, you know, if mediation isn't successful, a court has to then decide about custody arrangements. Oh, my God, I I cannot imagine having somebody, a stranger, making a decision about some beautiful little kid that just happens to be caught in the middle of mum and dad, you know, arguing. So how do you manage... Do you deal with all that anger and stress and confusion with between the warring parties or are you uh, uh, um, apart from that? No, 100% we do. And sometimes I actually say, Narelle, um, I think sometimes family lawyers should have a psychology element to their degree because we're constantly dealing with those issues. And um, one of the first pieces of advice I give my clients when they come in and see me is, go and seek mental health assistance because this will be the most difficult time that you've ever experienced. And I'm not a psychologist. I'm here to give you legal advice. But if I don't have you at 70% of normal, I'm not going to be able to get good instructions from you. So I'm always giving people the advice to look after their own mental health on the side of what they're doing with me because otherwise I end up spending a degree of my time um, counseling someone um, without mm. really even knowing it but yeah mm. absolutely um trying to focus their um their views and their anger away from the situation enough to protect their children from the risk that they're exposing themselves exposing their kids to is so many people just do not have the insight to realize the impact that it's having on their kids. And as you said before, I can't think of anything worse than a stranger making a decision um, 
the rest of my children's childhood. Um, if you can't agree, that is exactly what happens. You go and see a judge who is a stranger, and yes, they are a expert in family law. That's what they're there for. That's why they've been appointed to the bench. But many of them see, you know, if you're going to an interim hearing, many of them will see 16 cases a day. They don't remember you from the next person that they're seeing. Um, and when it comes to a trial, they've got a day to hear um, your evidence, listen to you be cross-examined or day or two, depending on how complex your case is, uh, and try and get to know you through a opposing lawyer cross-examining you under pressure in the worst under the worst pressure you'll probably ever experience. And that's the only time they'll get to know you and make a judge a character on you. And, and then they have to make a decision based on what's best for your children. And unfortunately, if you don't have the right legal advice, you can't afford it or you've not got the right lawyer. And unfortunately, and I hate saying this, but like all professions, there's plenty of bad ones. If you don't have the right lawyer and you don't have your evidence drafted correctly, then you're really stuffed because you've your position hasn't been put properly before the court and it can risk so many bad things happening. And quite often people will come and see me and they've been to see another lawyer first and it's like damage control. And sometimes you can't claw back from where they've got to um, because they've just not put their case properly before the court and they've really damaged their position without even knowing that they were because uh, that old saying, um, a man that represents himself has has a fool for a client. Um, if you don't know what you're doing, you, you're not gonna you're not gonna know what not to do. Um, so yeah, I definitely deal with all of those really complicated feelings and 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 um, emotions. But yeah, as I said, I always encourage people that are going into this, and if anyone's listening that is about to go into this, don't feel as though going and seeing a mental health professional is going to damage your case. In fact, it will strengthen it. Because judges, the old view that judges are going to think because you're seeing a psychologist, it means you're a bad parent or that you're not capable of parenting your children. It's just not the case. Um, in fact, it's a complete opposite because if, your behavior, is, if yep. your behavior is so irrational that you're not able to control your emotions properly, then you're, that will likely have an impact on your parenting capacity. So get out there, go and see someone, always seek mental health assistance. Gone are the days where it's seen as a bad thing to do. Yeah, and in fact, I'm a, a big advocate of putting up your hand to say I need help and to see that as a strength, not a, uh, not a weakness, which is how I was brought up. You know, in, in all those, uh, in all the years that I was in policing, you never, ever put your hand up to ask for help or to say, I'm struggling because it was seen as a weakness. But really, now, as you say, the tides have turned and it's seen as a strength. Yeah. Yeah. And so with these warring parties, uh, yes, that's great advice for you to give to others. But what about yourself, Kelly? How do you manage <laughs> dealing with all this? Like, this must take an enormous toll on you. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean... I, um, every day you're hearing people's significant issues and emotions and quite complex mental health problems. Um, people that have been the victims of some of the most abhorrent stuff that you've ever heard. Um, of course it takes a, a massive toll on us and, um, 
as you well know, Norella, I'm a massive advocate of speaking out at lawyers, um, getting assistance for it. I, back in um, 2015, so the year after my the birth of my first daughter, I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder and I had absolutely no idea when mm. I was diagnosed with post-traumatic Welcome stress disorder. Welcome to the club. <laughs> <laughs> Neither yeah. did I. <laughs> I had no idea yeah. that it could be something that had – that could come out of vicarious being exposed to other people's vicarious trauma. I was yeah. like, what? I haven't had any traumatic incidents in my life. I've had a really good upbringing. I went to a good school. I'm, yep. you know, I've got beautiful kids. I, I love my life. I've got a great business and um, I'm, you know, I go to the gym. What do you mean? I've got post-traumatic stress disorder. <laughs> and um, it, it was just a massive eye opener to me. And to be honest, I, at the time when I was diagnosed, I had no idea what was wrong with me. I was decompensating badly. I yep. was having anxiety attacks. I couldn't get off the yep. floor of the shower. I would cry at the drop of a hat. I would blank out and not be able to communicate with people properly. Like I'd come home to my then husband and not be able to actually have a conversation because I was so impacted by what I'd heard or what I'd been exposed to that day that it would take me a good hour or two and a couple of glasses of wine to be able to loosen up and actually get back to my normal life. Um, so, yeah, it was a really interesting um, turning point for me and I, I now have coping mechanisms that I have to deal with really significant um, days where I've got where I've heard really bad things. So um, I know when I'm starting to decompensate now, like because it's been so long since I was diagnosed, but I'm now fiercely advocating for other family and domestic violence lawyers and criminal defence lawyers. I mean, those three areas I've worked in, I'm sure it's across more areas of law than that. Those three I can think of are the areas where you are exposed to it's quite significant trauma. Um and I'm, I'm advocating for younger practitioners and, and older practitioners to really look at their mental health and the way they're dealing with it and making sure that people aren't just doing that, oh, I've got to be tough. Because quite like the police force, I'm sure, Narelle, if you it used to be the case that if you put your hand up and said, I'm not coping, you'd be stood down or you would Absolutely. not. Yeah, you'd be yep. looked at like you or you'd be put on desk duty or whatever. Um, yep. uh, quite similarly, like law, lawyers are really worried about speaking out about it because they think that that's going to make them not competent enough to practice, um, whereas it's actually the complete opposite. The amount of lawyers that have become alcoholics or drug users because uh, as a result of trying to use it as a coping mechanism yep. Um, yep. Is, is significant. It's a really significant number. Yeah, it is. And you talk then about going home to your then-husband and just your mind was blank You know, I can remember right in the midst just before I was diagnosed, I had an incident where I sort of lost 20 minutes of my – I was supposed to be in court and the bottom line is, yes, I was supposed to be in court and, you know, they find me, the court find me over at the local coffee shop, literally pretty much in la-la land. I'm running a committal and I just – I don't know, something happened and I just was over there. Apparently I was told that that was an amnesia event Mm. because what happens is that your mind – just stops it just shuts down because it can't deal with it anymore Mm. and it really frightened me because the psychologist that I saw after I was diagnosed she said to me you've got no idea how close to you were to hospital Mm. now that 
that's pardon me, that's scary shit, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it, it, and it, it really is. And I, yeah. it, it was a very similar experience to me where, you know, I, I, I my anxiety manifested in anger. So, um, and I had a little baby around. I would just get really angry and, um, you know, have anger outbursts. And my husband at the time, who's still a very dear friend of mine, um, was like, you really need to go and see someone about this because it's not you. Like, and I would snap. It would be like this. He'd talk about this zero to 100 and then back again. Like I just, it would be snap, snap things that I would do. And I was just really like second guessing myself or who am I? Like, this is not the person that I am. And I had to then get up the next morning and represent someone in court and keep, you know, I'm a criminal defense lawyer. Someone's about to go to prison for eight years and I've got to deal with their emotions on that. Or I'm, you know, going and dealing with somebody's um, family law matter where their kids have been taken by the other person and they haven't seen them in four weeks. And that person's a drug user and they don't know where they are and they're not coping with that and they're not sleeping. And I'm thinking to myself, these people have so much more on their plate than I do. Why do I feel like this? It's not fair. Yeah. And yeah. feeling the guilt of all of that. And I, I, you know, I was really glad that I took the step to go and, and that my um, ex-husband did encourage me to go and seek some, seek some help because it was, mm. it was life changing. Um, yeah, it, it yeah. certainly is. And, and I've often said that I think acceptance that I had a mental illness, quote unquote, mm was the hardest thing because until I accepted it, I wouldn't, I couldn't get any help. But acceptance was, made me go and seek all the help and do everything. And and really, I'd have to say to this day, that was the biggest thing I had to overcome was that I had a mental illness. And that's what I am trying to, I'm trying to normalize and not stigmatize mental illness as just another illness. And boy, have we got a long way to go, but it's conversations like this. And let's say, you know, going back to strangulation or whatever, it's these sort of conversations that I think people learn a lot and they think, you know what, I'm not too bad. Like, or, my goodness, that's happening to me. So yeah. they actually do something about it instead yeah. of burying it like I did and probably you did as well. Yeah, and, and in, um, in can I say specifically, the area of work that I work in for victims um, that are suffering with PTSD, be oh, yeah. aware that it can, it can manifest in anger um, and the amount of, because it, it's not completely normal but it's certainly um, common. Um, it's not completely common, but not, not the most common, I suppose, um, symptom, but it's certainly reasonably common. And I think there's women um, in DV situations that will be made to feel as though they're the problem because their trauma symptoms are actually manifesting in a way where they're feeling as though they're the perpetrator. Um, and that's not okay. Um, it's just another symptom. So always make sure that you're going and speaking to somebody about it. Even if you don't think there's something wrong, um, definitely go and speak to someone about it because it, it, the help is only just around the corner. Um, it's a bit more difficult now with the lack of psychology appointments that are available, may I just say, but, um, it will get better. Um, I'm hoping. (laughs) Yes, I, I think um, a lot more money needs to be thrown at 
mental health support services and mental health. And look, I, I think they've, you know, they're doing a reasonable job. Uh, I, I mean, obviously, you always want more money. But at least we're talking about it now as I keep banging on about. Look, I had a whole lot of questions about domestic violence and uh, to discuss, But and you're right, we will have to have another uh, podcast, Kelly, but I suppose could we move to that the very delicate matter uh, with Hannah Clark and her relationship with her husband? Next week... Kelly and I will be dealing with the death of Hannah Clark and her three children at the hands of her husband, the children's father, who I refuse to name. Please consider whether this subject, which can be confronting and upsetting, it's right for you, and just take care while listening to it. And don't hesitate if you feel it's all getting a bit difficult or upsetting to listen to. There is absolutely nothing wrong with acknowledging that you don't feel comfortable. Kelly and I believe there are subjects which are uncomfortable to discuss, but they need to be discussed. We don't go into detail about the actual deaths, but we do about what led up to it. And believe me, it is domestic violence at its worst. Hey, it's Narelle here again. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoy the podcasts as much as we enjoy putting them together. But to make sure you never miss an episode of Narelle Fraser Interviews, hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a rating and even a review. And please share it with all your friends too. And again, thanks for joining us. We have got some amazing stories to tell. So thanks again. See ya. Hello, guess who? Just a quick interruption here to let you know you can now become a Narelle Fraser Interviews Patreon. How exciting! Simply go to www.patreon, that's P for Peter, A-T-R-E-O-N for Narelle.com and search for Narelle Fraser Interviews. And to all of you out there who continue to support me, thank you so much. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.